feel like I just puked a whole bunch of information on you prior to the show starting. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I love to hear background. Hi, I'm Billy Buttery, and this is Food is Culture, a podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest. I know it's said to not meet your heroes, but I almost think of her as a bestie I'd never met. I've been listening to her podcast for years. I've listened intently, I've laughed, I've learned, and I'm so beyond honored she's joining me today. We talk a lot about eating and sharing meals in this podcast, obviously, but when listening to an episode of my guest podcast a few months ago, it clicked for me. The energy or chi of the way a meal is prepared is just as important as the physical food on the plate. Today's guest, Amanda Gates, is amazing. Amanda is an advanced feng shui practitioner, an interior designer, a realtor, an author. Oh, and she has a podcast, a blog, a video show, and online courses. She is a busy woman and so chock full of amazing information. We talk about the energy of the dining table, the importance of the stove, and the overall vibe of kitchens. We don't talk about it on this episode, but in the episode on her show, she talks about how in the early ages, you were considered wealthy if you had enough food to feed your friends and community and a hearth to cook it on. And ultimately, isn't that still the richness of life? Sharing your table with people you enjoy and love and breaking bread with them, pouring from your craft and filling everyone's glass. I hope you enjoy this episode. Cheers. Hello, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm going to start with the question I ask all my guests, which is how you do you define your cultural background? How do I define it? Mm-hmm. Um, white trash, man. <laughs> I, it's... <laughs> <laughs> there ain't nothing fancy about me. I mean, I, I was brought up by a, a single mom and, you know, our, my dad, like, it's so white trash. My my dad left us when I was three and my mom had to uh, put herself through nursing school. She used to sit in the, we had this old, old farmhouse. It was built in the 1900s. It didn't even have electricity. Like we had to have an electrician come in and he put lights in and like the areas you needed it, like the kitchen. So you don't cut your fingers off. (laughs) Wow. Um, And we had light in one of the walk-in closets. And so she used to sit on the dirty clothes. We had this hamper and she used to sit on the dirty clothes and she would study in her nursing books at night and eat cocoa puffs. Oh my goodness. And Coke. And (laughs) she put herself through nursing school. And of course I was little, I was like, what the hell are you doing in the closet? Like we don't do our homework in there. And that's where she did. And when she did graduate from nursing school, we uh, were able to buy our first home and, you know, move into a home. And like, we, we, it was so exciting because we bought uh, a couch and it was like such a big deal because, you know, this was back in the eighties and it was like a $2,500 couch, which was so expensive back then. But my mom was like, you buy quality and you buy once. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of surreal for me because, you know, we'd always been so broke and, you know, kind of white trashy. And and so for my mom to have that motto, she, you know, she really instilled in me, like, you sit down and you eat a meal slowly with the ones that you love. You know, you invest in the things that matter. Like, she saved up for that couch for like two years and that's how she brought me up that, you know, the things in your life, the way you treat things and, and the way that you invest in things, it, it's all about energy. And so, you know, make sure that you surround yourself with things that are of quality and matter. So that's really my background. I love that. Well, and that goes so beautifully with Feng Shui. I mean, I think that's the basis of the whole philosophy, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. It's probably why I, I was pre-med and I dropped out of pre-med to go into Feng Shui. And I think it just, for me, it just really not only fit my philosophy of how I was raised, but it just made sense to me. Did you read a book or was there something that sort of came across your path while you were in school that you were like, you know what, this uh, this is kind of interesting. I'm going to 
go over here for a little bit. Yeah. So I, I feel like I've told this story a hundred times, uh, you know, in, in my probably a thousand times in my career, but it was very much um, kismet. I was going through med school. I had just graduated from college and got a BS degree in biology with a micro and or a minor in microbiology. And I was on my way to med school and my then, my soon-to-be husband, he's now my ex-husband, he and I had purchased this home and I was just having some really weird, freaky experiences. And at the time, because I had just graduated, you know, with this science background, I just... I was really trying to look at it with a very black and white perspective. Oh, this is happening because of this and being very logical and reasonable about things. And it was hard to do that because they were very surreal things that were occurring. And I went down to a Borders bookstore and it's a bookstore that was here in America and it's gone now. We don't have it anymore. It went out of business, but it was a very large bookstore. And this woman walked over to me. I was looking at all of these interior design books and I was like, if I can just make this house super pretty, like all this weird stuff's going to go away. Mm-hmm. And this woman walked over to me and she goes, darling, you don't need those books. You need that book. And she pointed to this ominous F word that I couldn't pronounce. And I was like, what the hell is <laughs> fung frung shu hai? And I, I didn't even know what it was. And I remember opening up a couple of the books and they were talking about the front door. And I, I hit my knees. I, I remember I, I sat down on the floor and I just started reading all of these books. And all of the things that they were describing about the front door were the weird, freaky things that were going on in my life. And I was like, oh my God why is nobody talking about this? Why is nobody teaching these principles? We we need to bring back these ancient principles because this matters. And so I dropped out of med school and I was like, how do I do this, this weird F word? How do, how do I do this? And so I thought, okay, well, there's two ways I can get into a home. I can be an interior designer or I could be a real estate agent. And so I applied to interior design school, which I never thought they would accept me because I had this science background and the idiots accepted me and the rest is history. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) I love that. I have a similar story. I was um, at Indigo, which is our bookstore, and I was just kind of going up and down the aisles, not really sure what I wanted to get. And literally a feng shui book fell off the shelf in front of me. I was, yeah. I was pushing my son in a stroller and I don't know if he knocked it. I don't know what it was. It fell off the, off the shelf and I went home and I poured through the whole book and then I went to the library and got a whole bunch more and I just couldn't stop reading about it. And I redid our whole house. <laughs> I actually hear that a lot. I hear a lot of people talk about the, you know, the ominous, the book fell off the shelf. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that's by accident. For sure. And I've been listening to your podcast for, for years now and I love your principles and you sort of, you know, give little hints and little droplets for things that people can do in their house and the major disruptors. Um, And I know you feel so strongly about ovens. So can we talk a little bit about that? Ovens, front doors, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the bed. Yeah, it's definitely, that's why it's one of the top five disruptors for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, since every time I clean my oven now, I think of you and I... I hear your voice in my head, you know, um, and I just, I just love that. So ovens for uh, attracting wealth into the home. Well, clearly my work here is done because I, <laughs> I like, that's why we all do this, right? We, we have a podcast or we have a blog or we do something and we always say, well, if I affect one person's life, then I've done my job. Um, yeah. I mean, the stove is so important because it does represent wealth, but it represents a lot of things in our life. I mean, it goes way beyond, um, 
you know, monetary gain. You're talking about something that provides nutrition, not only to you, but your family. It's, it's, and it's not just nutrition from food, but it's nutrition of chi. It keeps things circulating in your life. And it is a way for you to be communal with your family and to communicate with them in a way that is beyond words. So I think that the, the stove is so important because it allows us to bring our families together. It allows us to drive energy into the things that we cook. It allows us to be abundant, not only financially, but it allows us to be abundant in you know our health, our wealth, our careers, our families, our partnerships. It really is, in a lot of ways, it anchors home. Mm-hmm. So if you have a stove that's not properly cared for, I, I can't tell you, especially now that I'm doing real estate, how many homes I go into and the first thing I do is I, I go over to the stove and I look at the burners, I look at the top, and then I will pull the knobs off and I look behind the knobs and then I open it up and it's a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so dirty and greasy and gross. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like if y'all just understood the principles of energy, like when you have something that represents so much in your life from an energetic standpoint, all of that is postponed energy. Mm-hmm. All of that is energy that is not cared for. And so, you know, people will tell me, I'm experiencing digestive issues. I'm experiencing like, you know, my I can't absorb my food and I'm not getting the nutrition I need. I require probiotics, like all of these things, or, you know, their family is disconnected or, you know, whatever the ale is, it's like, okay, we need to look at these key things in your home. That's where I came up with the top five disruptors and the stove is one of them. Mm-hmm. Like this should be an area that you really nurture in your life and you slow down. Like when you are cooking a meal, you should be going to that stove. You should be chopping and prepping and, you know, it should be a delightful experience because that's the chi that you're putting into the whole process because that is what circulates and it's like pixie dust. It goes on everything that you touch while you're cooking in your kitchen. Totally. Cultivate the chi. And it Hell starts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it starts with, you know, the heart of the home. I, I feel like the oven is all definitely in the heart of the home and the kitchen is the meeting place, I think, for so many people and their families. So I, I feel strongly about kitchens, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the food is, man. That's where everybody wants to be. Yeah, exactly. I used to, whenever we'd have that, I mean, not so much anymore with the two kids and the, and the pandemic, but when my husband used to have parties, he used to drive me nuts. Everyone was always in the kitchen. I'm like, this isn't a kitchen party. Let's go into the rest of the house. But Ultimately, that's where people want to be. That's where people like to kick off their shoes and stand around the counter and, you know, chat. So um, I just, I love that about kitchens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a very nurturing environment. And if you look back to the history um, of cultures, any culture, everything circulates and everything comes back to food. You know, mm-hmm. if you just look at the culture of food in and of itself, wine, you know, there, there's so much love and adoration and so many great things happen over food. And I think it's important because it's the one thing in our lives where we can really cultivate that chi, you know, when you're chopping and prepping and cooking and and working together, um, you're cultivating the chi with your family and it's a communal experience. And then you're driving that chi and that energy into the things that you're chopping and prepping and cooking. And then you're sitting down and you're having a meal together and you're cultivating chi together and you're you're providing not only nutrients from the food, but you're providing each other with 
loving chi, this energy that you're consuming that, you know, I, I have a girlfriend that's going through um, a coaching program right now. She's She wants to be a nutritionist and, and a coach. And she and I went to dinner on Saturday night and she was so excited. She's like, girl, you always talk about this chi stuff. And I never really understood it. And she said, do you know that my instructor uh, last week, she was talking about how she did this experiment with an orange. And she said she literally drove loving energy into to one of the oranges and, and told it how beautiful it was and how much it you know was loved, which is so funny because I, I do talk mm-hmm. about that on my podcast. And she said, in the other one, I was like, you're ugly. I don't like you. And she said she gave slices out to people and asked them, you know, which orange do you like? And she said, hands down, every single person loved the one that had been loved on. They all said that it tasted sweeter and it was a better tasting orange. Amazing. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, and I feel like that's, it's something in Feng Shui, of course, but it really translates to so many different principles and different um, cultures. I know in Ayurvedic cooking, you do the sort of the same thing. You speak lovingly to your food and with every chop and every prep, you're really infusing your love into the food. And um, I think that that just translates so well to everyday cooking and you're literally feeding your family, feeding yourself with love. Mm -hmm. Amen. I love it. Okay. (laughs) How do you feel about, um, well, I mean, I think this may be a personal preference or based on the home design, but if people have the option of having their dining room table in either the kitchen or the living room, would you say that there would be like a strong preference for you? No, you know, these days, you know, with everything, the way that our world is, if somebody has a dining table and actually uses it, like, I don't care if it's in the bedroom. Like, (laughs) I think it's just so important that families reconvene and sit down and have a meal together. You know, a lot of people don't do that anymore. They may now because of the pandemic, but, you know, prior to the pandemic, people, you know, the kids would be at practice and the parents would be at work and everybody was doing a different thing. And, you know, I have friends where they would call their kids and and say, you know, what time is practice over? Okay, I'll run and grab you something. And it's like, no, 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 no. Y'all, I don't care if it's eight o'clock at night, y'all need to come together. You need to sit down at the dining table. Even if you're not all eating, like sit down, have a glass of water, have a glass of wine, have some punch, like whatever it is, sit down and and have that communal experience every single day so that you connect. And, you know, a dining table is the perfect place to do that. Mm-hmm. Where everybody can really have a place to rest, to sit down for 15 to 20 minutes, preferably 30, and just... <sighs> you know, and bring their chi to rest and and talk to one another and connect with one another. Having that communal experience around a dining table, um, it it also feeds the table. You're driving that energy into the table and you're, you're bringing love to a space that every time you sit down to that, you're feeding into that energy. There's an imprint there. So it's really important. It doesn't matter where it is. It's more important about what you do at that table and that you do it often. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about um, feng shui sort of fixes? Like I hear these things about putting lemons in bowls to, you know, have different um, different outcomes. Do you subscribe to that? Do you feel any certain way about using fruit to help uh, fix a home in di- different feng shui aspects? Typically not. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the little kitschy things like that I don't subscribe to. But here's what I do say. If that's what's going to get your ass in gear and get you on board with the idea of feng shui, and if that's going to be the thing that catapults you into the belief and the curiosity of it, then hell yeah, do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> 
Um, and then for different elements, I know in feng shui, it's very important to balance the different elements. So in a kitchen, typically, I think there'd be like a lot of a fire element. Do you recommend different things to help balance that? Or is it just a balanced home is a balanced home? Yeah. I mean, when you get into elements, you're really getting into more of the advanced levels of feng shui. And no, a kitchen doesn't necessarily mean that it's 100% fire just because there's a stove in there. It, it really depends on what kind of floors do you have in there? What colors your cabinets? Um, you know, what's the overall space like? If you have an all-white kitchen, which is very common right now, you have an overuse of metal. And metal can be quite cold. And depending on what your personal element is, like, for example, I'm a wood element. My dominant element is wood. So if I'm in a white kitchen, I'm nervous as hell. I can't Mm -hmm. stand it because metal chops wood. So you have to be very cognizant of how you feel in a space. It's, I, you know, I talk about it on my show. It's your personal Wi-Fi. It's how your system, your chi is communicating with you. So we all have this ability. It's just been conditioned out of us. And we, you know, a lot of us are so busy that we're not tapping in and tuning in to our divine wisdom. So, Pay attention to how you feel in a space. If you're agitated or you don't feel well or there's something that's off or, you know, there are some people, oh, I never go in there. Mm-hmm. Well, why? It's probably an elemental thing. So L- you have to be careful with elements because this is where you can get into a, you know, you read one book and it says one thing and you read another book and it says another thing and then it can get dangerous. Mm-hmm. So it's more about, you know, when you're a novice and you don't truly under, because I remember when I got started in feng shui, The one thing that was so difficult for me to understand were the damn elements. Oh, my God. Because one book would say one thing, and then another book would say another thing. And it wasn't until I started working with my grandmaster that I fully understood. And I had to work with her for five years to really grasp, oh... (laughs) This is what this means. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very, it can be very complex. And so I think that, you know, when you try to get to that level of feng shui and you're trying to understand the elements and and you make the assumption of, oh, well, kitchen has got a lot of fire or it's got a lot of this and that's what, like, that can be really intimidating and then you can lose the the lust for feng shui. That's where we go back to the bowl of lemons. If the bowl of lemons are going to get you, you know, your ass in gear and get you into the the love affair with feng shui, then yes, do it. But I would say when it comes to the elements, just kind of hands off of that. Pay attention to how the space makes you feel. Okay, That's the easiest way to know if the chi is working with you or if it's working against you. There's no such thing as good, bad, indifferent. It's just how does it make you feel? And if it doesn't feel right or if you're not spending a lot of time in there or if you feel agitated in there, then start doing your homework. Why do you think that it makes you feel that way? Why do you think you don't want to spend time in there? And then start working with that and doing other things around it. You can start with the top five disruptors. Work on other things that give you the magic and and show you the shifts that are available to you so that you start having that love affair and you continue to use it. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you have online courses. So if anyone wants to take this a step further after listening to this podcast, I mean, I feel like I'm already itching to get back into my kitchen because I I love kitchens, obviously, but we've moved um, less than a year ago and my kitchen and I have just never really jived. (laughs) So I think that I need to take a step back and understand why. Yeah, I would just pay attention to how you feel in it and and try to pinpoint like what what is it that you're feeling? Are you agitated? Is it uncomfortable? 
is there something about the layout that is like really try to sit in in the reasoning behind why you don't want to spend time in there and then that's a great place to start because once you know what the feeling is then you can start attacking it with okay here's some things that I can do to fix it fantastic so for courses you would definitely recommend the top 5 dis- disruptors initially for for people wanting to maybe start exploring that feng shui yeah, I have a lot. That's a really great introductory one. I can't mm-hmm. remember off the top of my head what it is. It's like 50 or 70 bucks. Like that's a mm-hmm. great one because if you know nothing about feng shui, it's like an easy way to like not throw Amanda a lot of money and not commit, right? Like I yeah. don't want to commit because I'm not sure I'm on board with this. <laughs> that's a great place to start. And then there's some specialty things like, you know, if you're looking for love or you're wanting to increase money or, you know, the big one is clutter and and mm-hmm. what clutter means in feng shui, which... I always swore I would never do a clutter course because I hate that everybody associates clutter with feng shui. So I was like, all right, I'm going to like get rid of all the myths and I'm just going to put together the damn course and I'm going to teach everybody what it's really about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also have uh, a beginner's course. In fact, I just put it up for sale. It'll be for sale in the month of July. It's a six-week course. It's like bare bones, bonehead, like foundational feng shui. Um, that's one that I would really recommend for people. And then if you're really serious and you really want to you know, um, really understand, if you're just super confused about feng shui, but you really do love it and you want to learn, like really learn it, then I would suggest the, the Mastering Feng Shui. I usually run that one once or twice a year and it's an eight-week course. And I really teach you like a solid foundation so that you're like, oh, okay, now I understand what this Feng Shui thing is about. Amazing. And then of course you have your podcast. So if anyone wants to deep dive, you're taking some time off, but there's so many episodes. So I usually, you know, I put it on and I look down, I'm like, oh, I've just listened to Amanda for like three or four hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've been doing it for 11 years. I just wrapped up my 11th season. So I think it's okay if I take a a month off, there's plenty to listen to. Yes. My teacher always said, what you want to do is you want to listen to something and then let it kind of digest and and marinate and then go back and listen again because you'll hear it for the first time when you listen to it again. So, um, and she's right because she would teach me something and I would return to it a year later and I'd be like, oh my God, now I understand what she was talking about. And then I would, you know, revisit it a year later. I'd be like, oh my God, I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> so sometimes the best thing that you can do, especially like my feng shui ramble gambles and, and my feng shui tutorials that I do, I always encourage people to go back to them and, and to listen to them because you'll learn something new. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I have one little silly question to wrap it up. Sure. (laughs) Can you describe your personality with a food or dish? Mm. Yeah, it's going to be white trash. Like it would be. (laughs) I'm mac and cheese. I say I'm mac and cheese. So (laughs) yeah, like it would be a little mac and cheese, mashed potatoes. And, you know, in the old days, it would have been meatloaf, but I'm a vegetarian now. So like, you know, it may be a tofu, like uh, steak of some sort or, you know, but yeah, it's, it's pretty down home. Like I'm pretty basic when it comes to my foods and I like things to be simple and not super fussy and just the starchy stuff is sometimes the best because it just feels like home. Totally. I completely agree. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time today. And I think that there were some really amazing nuggets here for people to listen to. And hopefully this will start people's journey and do a little deep dive on everything. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
Wasn't that a mouth-watering chat? I hope your next meal is soon. Is there a food question you've always wanted to ask? Or maybe a suggestion for someone I should interview? Leave a review and let me know. Don't forget to follow and rate this show. Cheers.